Well, my policy is with sales, with selling. I have a policy is if they're above the ground and breathing, then I will sell to them. Yeah, there's a bit of fun in buying and selling, you know, if it works. But uh, it's quiet at the moment, you know. There's Sotheby's. I feel like putting a sign up that says, customers required, no experience necessary, full training given. This is the International Antique Fair in the RDS. This one, for example, it's a, a real fossil. It's um, a trilobite plaque. Um, we're talking about 400 million years old. Probably the oldest thing in the show. It came from south of Morocco, the Atlas Mountains. It's 2,750 euros. Officially known as long case clocks because they're long case. No such thing as a grandfather or a grandmother or a no. granddad at lock. Just that's the way it is. <laughs> Spider-Man, purely out of scrap, out of old motor parts. 8,350 euros. You're selling stuff that is not necessary. It's a luxury. Put it like this, I go into somebody's yard and I buy a piece of old furniture out of a shed and I go down the road laughing at the bargain I've got and the bloke was standing in the yard laughing at the fool away with the rubbish. You kind of know who's going to buy and who's not going to buy. <laughs> the psychology of the whole thing, there is an awful lot of that, yeah, yeah. Someone, someone picks something up prices it and puts it down at the same time, it's a no-no. If they price it and they hold on to it, you're standing a good chance here, you know, and they keep hold of it. If they're going down at the same time as they ask the price, forget it. I had somebody that today looking at a pair of chairs. The price range that he was looking at was far outside the price range that I was looking at. But a pressure salesman probably could have sold them the chairs. But I guarantee you, in a week's time, he'd be back knocking at your door with the chairs. Um, very often, um, particularly the stuff we're selling, you need two people to buy it. So you'll get one or the other half of a couple will come in. And then at the weekend, it's only when the two of them can come together and make a decision. Some people are just very strong and they know what they want and they know their partner will agree with them. But for the most part, we tend to sell to both. You just have to treat everybody with the same respect. And that way you hope to you'll, you'll get the lasting few by the item. Sometimes there does be a bit of a dance, but then there's the others that just come up and say, yeah, I'll have that. No question about it. And then you know you've made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so there's two ladies coming over here. They're kind of late 30s, maybe 40s. Mm-hmm. Would you be looking at them and saying, I have something here for them? I would. I've got a stock. They are humans. I'll wait and see to see how they react to it before I blow them out. They don't look that wealthy. We've sold to very, very unwealthy looking people. That's, you just cannot judge and you just never know what's in the checkbooks. Not particularly, no. I thought I might see some old uh, antique leather suitcases, but I haven't seen anything at all on that line here. So, uh, we specifically came here looking for a, a kind of a, a hall table, an oval-shaped hall table, but we haven't, we haven't had In the trade, I would be called a poiker. I'm comparing things with some bits I have at home to compare the prices.
got three things today, yeah. I bought um, an embroidered Chinese silk in, in a frame. It's lovely. When I started off this, we used to go down Summerhill Market on a Saturday morning. But I was down there one Saturday morning and it was probably nine o'clock, ready to go home. I see this lump of glass on the, the ground and I picked it up and I thought it was a scent bottle. Never paid it much attention. And uh, I said to the girl, how much is that? A pound. So give her a pound for it. I was living in Shankill at the time in a gate lodge and in the main house there was a what I would call a proper antique dealer. And they used to come down and they'd say, what did you get this morning? And I said, I got this, got that scent bottle. I said, well, that scent bottle would be... No, she says, I, I can't sell those scent bottles. I said, it's only a fiver. Oh no, I couldn't sell it. And as she said I couldn't sell it, I picked it up and there was a... Right around the, the scent bottle, there were nude women dancing. And I, I thought, I'm glad you haven't bought that. And I turned it upside down. It was René Lalique, pre-war. Probably worth about, at the time, it was probably worth £500. I put it to one side. I still have it. Biggest success, let me think. Um, oh, yeah, the Chagreen mirrors, yeah. I bought some Chagreen furniture at a, a market a long time ago for £200. Um, you know Chagreen? Sharkskin, yeah, Sharkskin uh, veneered furniture, which I bought off a guy who thought it was paint, but in fact it was uh, Chagreen and ivory and silver leaf, and, you know, we still have those. They're worth quite a lot of money, yeah. German joker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Bismarck had them. Bismarck had them already. Everything is more or Every time you buy something, it can be a mistake or it can be something that you might make a point or two out of. I do remember one thing in, when I started first buying a pair of candlesticks in a shop for £20 and I went to a fair, I think it was in Mullingar, and I sold the candlesticks for £28 and by the end of the day the candlesticks had gone all the way around the room they started on my left and they went all the way around the room and they ended up on my right hand side at the end of the day at 95 pounds everybody took five and ten euro profit i once bought some columns in england for about five thousand pounds which ended up as uh, detritus should we say de de destroyed yeah that would be the biggest i think when i first bought them i'd probably estimate selling them for about twenty thousand you know <laughs> I had a bookcase hanging around a long time that I had refused a very good bid on and uh, it hung around for a couple of years and I sold it then. I made money on it if you, if you took into account that the currency had changed in value. Technically I probably suffered a loss. something that's passed through a family but never had it valued. One is reluctant to value because I think it changes the whole aspect of the piece. Will you describe and it for me? What is it? I prefer not. Um. You see something that's really interesting and you sort of get a full history from the person that you're buying it off of and you know you go through and 
eventually you tell somebody else that story mm. and then it goes on and continues on. That's basically what I like about it, because everything has a story. That's the excitement of the search. And you are never stopped learning, every day. I mean, I found out today about a thing sitting up there, bronze, Middle Eastern, the Bedouin tribes. This was their, their bowl for food. That patination in there, it's, it's copper, but it's poisonous, and it killed them. And that there is about 200 years old. I bought it for the simple reason that I liked it. 35 pounds. I'm not spending any money now. I might have a cup of tea up in the... Because I'm driving, I won't even have a drink. We were buying an antique and it was sort of fairly expensive and um, we put our card through to pay for it. We had no money in the bank. <laughs> the only stories I have is how much unpaid for things that are worth half the price, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought you were. We get in, say, chairs sometimes and they look like a chair for all intents and purposes. And then when you go look at it, like, it flips over and it becomes a library steps. We had a very interesting a child's chair in there not too long ago that, like, the child could sit in the chair and play. Like, it had a tray out in front of it with loads of counting beads and all of that. But then what happened was the front section flipped and came back up and it became a high chair. Like, everyone goes on about, like, uh, new designs and this, that and the other. Like, that was a Victorian one. If you look back through time, right, the first for writing, you had this massive big Georgian bureau, like a big bookcase with a, a fall-down flap to write at. And then they got a bit more inventive. And next thing, you had a writing box that opened out, and you had your letter thing there and all of that. So we started off in, what, the 80s with this massive big computer. You needed whatever for it. And now we're down to our little open-out laptop. You know what I mean? Things like move at the same rate all the way through life, you know what I mean? Oh, that's loud. Yeah, yeah. In trouble, oh, yeah? I, my husband will hate this, but he probably might like this. This bit here, yeah. Are we looking at divorce? No, no. I know it wasn't that. Was that at one of the fairs we went to, next time we got to the fair, they said, you know, Two of the dealers got killed on the M1 last time on the way home from the fair. I said, no. I said, yeah, when they, uh, when they got to heaven, uh, Peter uh, met them at the gates. Uh, and he said, well, I wasn't expecting you. And they said, well, it's just happened. Uh, you know, it just was a car crash and that was it. Um, he said, well, look, I'll have to ask the boss, you know, where are I going to put you? And he goes away and he comes back and then rings the boss back up and says, look, they've gone. He said, what, the antique dealers? He said, no, the pearly gates. 